to enjoy life. You have one chance and you have one heart. And if you carry all that hatred in your heart, you're preventing yourself that happiness that life is all about. You should just enjoy life, enjoy what life has to offer. And for me personally, there is nothing better in life than the laughter of a child, than to be able to pay it forward and help somebody in need, to watch them find that inner spirit and inner life again. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, depending on when you are tuning in. This is a contagious smile where every smile tells a story. This morning or afternoon now, we are with a wonderful gentleman by the name of Brent. He is doing a plethora of things, and I'm so glad that he fit us in with his incredibly busy schedule and everything that he has coming up. Thank you so much, Brent, for being here with us today. Oh, it's it's an honor. Thank you for having me on the show. Absolutely. Now, you have a wonderful podcast, The, the Fallible Man. The Fallible Man. That's Can me. you tell us a little bit about it? I love this whole concept. Uh, the Fallible Man, uh, without telling the extremely long story of how that came about, centers around the fact that first I, I wanted to make sure people understood I wasn't being presumptuous about the fact that I know everything. I'm on a journey. Several years ago, I started a journey for myself because I looked at where I was and had discovered some things I didn't know about me or didn't know about my life, like financially, the knowledge I didn't have and stuff like that. And so I started this crusade to build myself up, right? To start to educate myself, to start to learn things I didn't know. And in that, I started diving into deeper self-improvement. How do I improve the outlook of my life, period? How do I grow as a person, you know, with this realization of things I did not know? So I started down that road and I had actually had people ask me about writing a book. I've always uh, gravitated more towards female friends. And I've had all those female friends, my wife's female friends who are like, how is it you understand what we're saying, but like our boyfriend doesn't. Um, I was blessed to grow up around a lot of very strong, powerful women who were very capable. And so I understand women a little better than some men. I will not pretend I understand. Women. <laughs> right. We're I've confusing been, at moments. We're- yeah. Yeah. I've been married for 21 years and my wife still surprises me. So, but it started as writing a book and then it kind of just grew and changed. It's like, okay, if I write a book, who's going to read it other than my mom, and my wife. <laughs> Do a memoir. So I-, I thought I'd get into social media. I figured out I hate social media. Uh, it's just not my thing, but I have a background as a youth minister. I've been in public life my whole life. My dad was a minister. I started leading worship at 11 years old. Wow. So I'm very comfortable talking. I'm very comfortable communicating with people. So I fell in love with the medium of podcasting. And like I said, I didn't want to be presumptuous. I don't want to tell men I have the answers. I'm more interested in men joining me on their own journey and having other men they can communicate with as they take that journey. Because I meet so many guys who don't have anybody to talk to, right? They're, they're interested in personal development. Right. Their friends aren't. Their friends aren't talking about learning new skills or expanding themselves or growing personally. And so the fallible man was born and I started podcasting and we're going on. We're not quite two years in. We're over a hundred episodes, I think at this point. That's awesome. And uh, I, I love it because I get to meet incredibly interesting people like yourself. I've made some incredible connections around the world. I was just on yesterday recording a interview with a gentleman in South Africa. Oh, cool. 
biohacker. Yeah, he's a biohacker for men's health and it's just incredible. So I've made all these incredible connections and I'm just, I'm loving it because I get to connect with my audience. The only downside is I have to keep certain social medias because the only sad part about podcasting is it's just not a good platform for connecting directly with people. Right, right. Great for getting your message out, but. Yeah. So between working with men who are trying to grow themselves and focusing in on young men who are looking for an example and just don't have that in their life, I want to connect with all of them. Right. And I have such an audience for you, Brent. I think that people are going to be like, yes, finally, thank you. So a lot of the individuals that I get to work with, unfortunately, have seen or lived through hell. There's no other way to put it. And I think that they would think it's okay to say that. So um, for those men that have had to witness their dad being abusive to their mom, you know, I always say to the, to the mother that even if you don't believe you're worth it at this point, because you might not psychologically or subconsciously be there, your children are worth it. They're worth all of this. You don't want your son to grow up thinking that this behavior is okay to give to your sister, your girlfriend, your wife, your mother. So if you could talk to those men, what would you, or young adults, what would you say to them as a man? Because I'm sure they're going to resonate to you more than they would to me. And I get that. I totally understand that. Specifically, what, I, what would I say to them about the impressions they've gotten so far or how to go around that? both because they deserve it. They're wonderful people. They don't, they can break the cycle. That's what I keep saying, but I think that it would resonate more from a man at this stage in their life than it would from a woman. And that's nothing against them at all. I just think it's the impression. As a youth minister, I actually worked with a lot of fringe kids. Uh, I I had kids who their parents were literally crackheads. Like I, I made sure they ate. I had kids that I was cutting their hair and sewing their clothes for them. Um, and so I've, I've been up close and personal with all kinds of situations like that. And the first thing I say to these young men is, it's not your fault. You did not do this. You did not do anything to warrant this kind of behavior. It's not your fault. Please don't take responsibility for the way somebody else treated you. Right. It's not okay, but it is certainly not your fault. Uh, that's the first and foremost thing, because I know so many young men who, as men, we like to shoulder responsibility. It, it's part of our inherent nature. We want to take things on. Right. Uh, and so I know so many young men who go, well, you know, my dad was a real piece of work, but I was a pretty rough kid. So, you know, I, it, it, fair enough. Yeah, it was probably a little excessive, but I, I probably deserved a lot. No, you don't. You did not deserve it. You do not deserve it. It is not your fault. It is not on you. A grown person taking out their problems on you is never your fault. Let me just be blatantly clear about that. Okay. I have worked with kids who are living on the street and selling drugs to survive because it's better than living out. Right. Right. That's hard. It's not his fault was not his fault at all is not his fault his dad was that bad that that's life was just better that way um so please understand that first and foremost 
Second, the method around that is once you understand it's not your fault, is to understand that you have control now. Once you start to take control of your life, okay, uh, you may, your may, listeners may or may not be familiar with Jocko Willink. He's a former Navy SEAL and Navy SEAL trainer. Uh, he has a great podcast. But one of the books he wrote several years ago was called Extreme Response or Extreme Ownership which just compounded things I already felt about my life. But the concept is very simple. It's you own everything. It doesn't matter if it's actually your fault or not. You take responsibility for it and you own it, which resonates with men. It resonates with every man I've ever met. And so with young men out there, we're used to taking responsibility, right? Right. <laughs> Excuse me. I'm sorry. My sinuses are going nuts this week. Um, but the idea of extreme ownership is, if you own it, if you go, whether it's my fault or not, I am still responsible. So how do I, it gives you the power back. You now have control. You now get to handle the situation and choose. It's in your power. As long as it's in your power, then you can decide what your path is forward. So once you understand it isn't really your fault, but what you can take ownership of is this is my life so how do i move forward with it regardless of this bad situation regardless of the fact that my dad is a piece of work or my mom is a piece of work or whatever you know i'm trying to edit myself because i have very strong feelings about that regardless of that situation that you're in and those people negative people in your life what you do have control about is where you go starting today and moving forward that's yours. That's all yours. And if you're too young to move out, okay, I understand that. You still control your life. So what would your suggestion be if they are unable to move out at this point and they're in the home witnessing this happen? If you're in the home witnessing this happen, I'm going to tell you the hardest thing in the world and it's you got to go to somebody that you trust and feel safe with and intercede. Okay. Especially, um, oh gosh, I know so many young people who have stuck in a bad situation to protect a younger sibling mm-hmm. or to try and protect their mom. Right. If you are in that situation, you have to go to somebody you trust. And I'm not saying, you know, this is going to sound weird. I'm not saying go to the cops. Okay, that may be the ultimate destination where that information goes, but you need to first go to an adult in your life that you feel safe with, that you trust, that has your back and communicate to them and have someone who is advocating on your side of legal age because you are at a disadvantage being underage. So find somebody that you trust and who believes in you that you feel safe with, who will advocate on your side. And you got to start there. It may end with you going to law enforcement. Okay. I have several friends who are police officers. I know we've had some blah, blah in the news where, because in every profession, there are going to be people who are just aren't good people. It's just, okay. right. I know a lot of amazing military people and I know some real just trash military people, right? The more people you add to something, the more likely you're going to run into that kind of situation. But there are a lot of good police officers out there, but having an adult 
who will advocate with you is the best way to go. It's the safest way to go. <clears throat> they can protect you. They can watch over you. They can give you a safe space. And it gives you more credibility when you go to the police officers because they can only do some, so much with you as a minor. Right. The police officers I know, trust me, they, they are looking to just level these kind of situations. Uh, they have children and they are huge advocates for protecting kids. But start with somebody you feel safe with, right? You may not feel safe going directly to law enforcement, okay? <clears throat> You're a minor. This is not your responsibility. This is not something that should have to fall on your shoulders. But you've got to say something to somebody. Right. Is, it that is something you life. control. <coughs> or whoever the person is. That is something you can control. That is something you can do. Don't take the beatings. Don't try and wrestle your dad or whoever is doing this to you by yourself. Do not stand alone. This whole lone wolf mentality that the world likes to glorify is, is a bunch of crap. It really is. Right. I laugh because it's very associated with the concept of the alpha male society, right? And the alpha male terminology, this lone wolf, yeah, it's a bunch of crap. Wolves stick together because they die. Otherwise, they need the strength of the pack. Likewise, you need the strength of men and other adults who will advocate for you. Please don't stay in that situation. Right. You have the power to get away from it. Right. I know it's scary. I know it can be dangerous. That's why you need somebody who will advocate on your side with you. What do you say to someone who is of age but is living there? Because I'm sure that'll be a question as well to some. It's time to get away, man. If you're, look, and, and this is especially where I see it, is a lot of young people trying to protect a younger sibling. Okay. It's the same thing. You need to go and even at 18, 19, you need to go and find another adult you can trust who will advocate on your behalf because you're always stronger together. Right. But I strongly suggest you move yourself out of the situation as fast as possible. It gets really complicated when you feel like you're responsible for your younger siblings and you're the one protecting them. Mm -hmm. um, and boys are going to be boys, right? We're going to want to protect that nature. I got back in high school. I got between my girlfriend and her drunk dad. Like he, he was a mean drunk. Uh -huh. um, and it was, 16 years old, I stood toe to toe with a man who was six, five, big, burly dude, drunk, just raging mad because it wasn't happening on my watch. I wasn't going to let it happen. Was that the best way to handle it? No. The best way to handle it probably would have been to take her and her mom, put them in my car and leave. But you were young. But yeah. And so I, I know exactly what's going on right. when there's something at stake for these young men, right? right? So find somebody to advocate with you. You need a partner. You need somebody. Do not try and shoulder this alone. It's bigger than you. Not because you're incapable, because you're inexperienced. Right. And you will gain that experience and wisdom over the years. And you can take this and turn this into a positive in the future because you are incredible and capable, but you lack the experience that some of the adults have grown to have. 
Now, one of the things, Brent, I say when I do my speaking is that these kids can stop the cycle. It doesn't have to continue. They have that power. They're so much stronger than they have any idea. And what is your opinion on that? Because like I said, I know that a certain part of the audience is definitely going to look up to you and hear what you want to say about that. Oh, man. Well, let me tell you a beautiful story. I would love a beautiful story. So I have a former student. I met her when she was 11 years old. Mm -hmm. Uh, single mother household and her mother was nasty. Um, she was, she wasn't, she was physically, physically abusive sometimes depending on how much she was drinking or doing drugs, but she was also nasty. She was trying to teach both her daughters to just use men to get what they needed and, you know, bail. Cause all men suck. That, that was, that was her mentality. The, I mean, it was just a horrible situation and I met her when she was 11 years old. I can now tell you many, many years later, her sister made some bad choices in her life, but the younger one, the 11, one who was 11, she has a healthy marriage and has been married for several years. She has her own kids who are just amazing. And she's also adopted and caring for her sister's kids because her sister abandoned her kids. Good for her. But she has a healthy marriage. She has a healthy family. It is a stretch for their family to take care of her sister's kids and her kids, but she treats them like her kids. As far as they're concerned, she's mom. And they are just having a beautiful life. They're active in their community. They're active in their church. Uh, the I, I love watching her stories and stuff on Facebook because there is just so much joy. You can see it on their faces in their household. And it is so far from the world she grew up with, but where her sister chose to follow her mother's path, because that was the example. She looked at that life and went, no, this is not my life. This is not who I am. This is not how I'm going to live. And it is just amazing to watch. That is an amazing individual right there. She just, I, I always, you know, she's one of those kids that is just registers like, wow, I, I can't wait to see what this kid does. But it is just so beautiful to see because she did come out of just a nasty home environment. And so you can, you absolutely can stop all these cycles right? You get two reactions out of a situation like this. You either get the mimic reaction, right? And that person follows the same path. That same path that they hated as a child is just beat into them and their emotions are beat down and their mental state is just beat down to where it's like people who beat dogs into submission. It's the same idea. People, those dogs learn to live in that those kids learn to live like that because ultimately if you break their spirit, if you break them down hard enough, they will just come around to this is the norm and it will start slow and painful, but they will come around to this is what life actually looks like. And then you have the opposite reaction reactions. You have the same reaction this young lady did where she's went, I'm going to survive this and my life will never look like this. I know so many amazing people who their backstories are so horrible. 
so bad. You're just like, oh, oh my goodness. How did you even live through that much less turn into this person that I meet today? Right. Um, some of the stories I've had on my podcast are just amazing. It's like, wow, how do we go from point A to point B? I worked with a guy who's a trauma counselor out of Portland, Michael Unbroken, the Unbroken podcast. Like his mom literally cut off part of his finger. She left him for dead for three days after she beat him into unconsciousness. Yeah, Michael's incredible. But I mean, she beat him and it's his story, but so I won't go deep in it, but she beat him into a level of unconsciousness and left him laying on a bed for three days while she just disappeared. He has turned around and taken that and gone, this will not be my life. And now not only will it not be my life, I'm going to help other people make sure this doesn't chase their life down too. Right. And, and I could zoom off several people. Right. But you are not framed by the life you start with at any moment. Your life, you, you might be 35, 40 years old and have already trashed your marriage because you followed the same path your parents did. That's not your life. You have, as soon as you take ownership of it, if you, as soon as you say, this is my life, I'm going to choose what I want it to look like. And I am responsible for every step of it because the minute you are responsible for it, you can do something about it. Victims can't fix their circumstance. People who own the situation, it's their circumstance. So every choice you make from this moment on, make a choice, take a stand. And from this moment on say, it is my choice because it's my responsibility and I own the situation. I don't care if there's an outside influence pushing in. I own how I react to that. I own how that affects me. I own how I choose to frame that. And I own what I'm going to do with it. So how would you tell um, a young man who really is resonated by your message? How would he start? What would his first steps be? The answer is incredible. Listen to Brent's podcast. There are going to be. (laughs) (laughs) Please come to my podcast. Join my forums. Let's talk. But the answer is incremental growth. Let me be really clear about this. So 86% of New Year's resolutions fail in the first month. Right. That's in the first month. It actually goes up past that as we get out from that first month. In the first month alone, 86% of New Year's resolutions fail. Why? Because people are shooting for the stars when they haven't even come out of the house yet. You don't change in big, decisive movements. That's not how life works. You change by making small, incremental steps. This is what we teach at the Fallible Man and what we encourage, right? If you want to grow yourself and you're not a reader, but you want to become a reader because you can learn a lot. Books are very powerful. So read five pages every day. Don't try and read the book. Don't try and read a chapter. Maybe five pages is a little strong. Maybe you don't read very fast and you're not comfortable with that. Okay, set a timer for five minutes and just read for five minutes and put the book down and keep that book, put it on your pillow, put it on your favorite chair, put it where you are interacting with it on a regular basis. Five minutes every day until five minutes every day is not enough for you. 
and you'll read that book. That puts you ahead. That's a step that you can control, that you can be accountable for, and that you can absolutely achieve. Saying, hey, I want to read one book a month when I don't read any books right now is, is too much. It's right. too big. Right. right? I'm, I'm a trainer as well. Walking into a gym and saying, I want to bench 315 pounds when you've never bench pressed in your life. Never happened. It's not a good start. Right. That, that's a quick road to burnout and injury. Right. Right. You don't start there. You start by picking up the bar. And actually, you start before that. Um, James Clear tells a story in Atomic Habits that's an, an Atomic Habits guy should be one of the first things you read. Honestly, it's one of the best books I read in the last year, probably in the last five years. It's amazing. And it really delves into this concept. He had someone he knew who lost a hundred pounds by going to the gym for the first three months. The guy went five minutes a day for three months. Really? He lost, ended up losing a hundred pounds but this is how it went. The man had never set foot in a gym. He had never trained. And so the first thing he had to do was just build the habit of showing up. People, we forget that step all the time. You just got to show up sometimes. True. True. So for three months, every day at the same time, he went to the gym and he went for five minutes and didn't matter what he did, but he went for five minutes every day for three months. After three months, going to the gym wasn't even a thought anymore. It's something he got in his car and just automatically did. He could then start working from there. But that's why we lose most people at the gym on New Year's resolutions. We got all these people who have never set foot in a gym. It was like, I'm going to go work out five days a week. Right. And it's the same thing. If you want to change your situation, you have to start small. Mm-hmm. We don't do macro growth. We do micro growth. Focus on what you can control. Um, There's a term called SMART goals, and it's, I think, specific, measurable, realistic, timely. I'm forgetting the A. You can look it up on Google. Um, But I absolutely believe in the concept because that's what you got to do. If you start way out here, you're never going to get that. SMART goals are something that you can do. You can measure. What can be measured can be improved. Mm -hmm. So start with what you can. If you want to improve your life, if you want to change your life, don't go with giant goals. When I was working in an office, I just recently started working from home on my nine to five job. I would get up and instead of eating lunch at my desk, I would eat lunch while I was still technically on the clock. And then on my lunch break, I would walk around the perimeter of my building because I worked at a desk all day. It's like, man, I got to start moving again. Mm -hmm. So I walked and at first I just kind of strolled and then I started walking faster as I got more comfortable with it. And then I started adding an audio book as I got more comfortable with it instead of music. But I started with (laughs) our podcast. I started with going out and I didn't set a distance. I didn't set, I was like, you know what? I'm going to stroll around the building for the 30 minutes I've got. And because it was something new, I turned on music that I liked, that I was used to listening to, that put me in a good place mentally Mm -hmm. because I wanted something familiar while I was adding this new thing. And as that progressed, I started walking a little more fast, a little faster, right? I started doing it five days a week. And all of a sudden it's like, oh man, I'm, I'm 
actually racking up over a mile, mile and a half, then two miles. I got to where I was walking two miles in 30 minutes. And then I started adding audiobooks, our podcasts, something that could grow my brain. Right. right? Because I had gotten used to it by repetition. You just got to put in the reps. So grab, grab something you can control. Go, you know what? I'm going to read five pages today, or I'm going to read for five minutes today. I'm going to get up and I'm going to spend five minutes earlier. So I don't feel as rushed in the morning to start. Right. Or I'm going to get up and move for when I first get up, I'm going to drink a glass of water every single day just to start my day. These are all little wins. The first thing they teach the Navy SEALs is to make their bets. This is actual fact. The first thing they teach the Navy SEALs is to make their bets. Why? These are some of the most squared away people in the world. Mm-hmm. Teach them to make the bed because they teach them to stack winning. So it's make your bed, brush your teeth, drink eight ounces of water, do room temperature, really cold water will make your stomach unhappy in the morning. So stick with the room temperature. <laughs> Pro tip, I, I found that out the hard way. Please don't do that. <laughs> But start stacking little wins. It's something we talk about on my channel a lot is stacking the little wins, right? Make a checklist that you can bounce off. We love to knock things off a list. Men specifically, we love to knock things off a list. A lot of women do too. But make your list, but include the little things that you don't think about. I got out of bed on time. Check. I made my bed. Check. I brushed my teeth. Check. It's exciting to check, check. You are stacking wins because when you put the harder stuff later in the day, And when you look at your day, as you get to that harder thing, all you got to do is look at that list and go, look at all I have knocked off today. I'm on fire, right? Celebrate those little wins, Mm -hmm. celebrate the progress, but stack the little wins before you got to do something big. And it will make you feel a lot better about it. But guys, you will make huge progress. Think about this. If you get 1% better every single day, right? If you spend five minutes every day devoted to growing you, growing towards your direction. Maybe that's having a job where you can move out of that house. Maybe that's learning about parenting because you never want to be like your parent. Maybe that's growing your mind educational wise because you want the means to live the life you want to live. What if you honestly spent five dedicated minutes on that every single day? Right. That, that's a huge, huge, that's astronomical growth in a year. It is. It's a huge number when you think about that. Absolutely. What a great, great suggestion. What do you suggest to somebody who maybe they're trying to turn their life around and take control of their anger and they're about to lose their temper? How do you suggest that they do that? Uh, as someone who... Formerly had major anger issues. You did? Oh yeah, I was an angry child. We actually moved at one point in my life because I had hit a point where um, in junior high, it's one of the reasons we moved. There were, there were other reasons involved, but I actually know that there, that was part of the reason we moved between junior high and high school because I had gone to the same school for four years and I was the chubby kid, right? In fifth grade, I was the little butterball and I wore sweats and a t-shirt and was too round had a huge growth spurt between fifth and sixth grade. Like I grew a foot in the summer. Wow. That's a big growth spurt. Yeah, it was painful. Like it actually hurt. 
Um, but I got all this size compared to the guys next to me all of a sudden. And they're still giving me a hard time about being a fat kid, right? Because once you get that ingrained in school, you know, yeah. something, you become that weird kid, you're the weird kid forever. You become the fat kid, you're the fat kid forever, right? I got to where like I was angry all the time. Mm-hmm. My dad actually set it up where I could chop wood next to the house when I came home every day because I had to do something. You had to release it. Right. It progressed to where like there were more and more confrontations in school because I just couldn't accept. It doesn't matter. Three years later, I couldn't escape it. And it had gotten to where like I was bouncing kids off lockers. Someone would say something to me. Like I wasn't bullying anybody, but the minute someone tried to mess with me, like it, it, we went from zero to a hundred, just right. So for anger issues, uh, I've actually done some work with, uh, award-winning psychiatrist, Dr. Christian Heim out of Sydney, Australia. And he talks about his red light, green light technique. Mm-hmm. And it's for those young men, you need to start to learn to recognize the triggers when we're still in the yellow. Okay. When, when you hit that yellow, you need to have a plan. The reason we have problems with this, the reason we struggle with this is we don't build a plan beforehand. Just like any other situation, you need to build a plan of action when you're not in the situation. Because once you're in the situation, your brain is not going to compute it right. 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 You're not thinking in a positive direction. You're not thinking about stopping it. You're just like, you got to have tunnel vision. We've moved from intellectual thought to emotionally driven. And once you move into that emotional state, clear thought is not a possibility. There's a reason, like the special forces guys train in those. Re- ridiculous simulations like in in live firehouses and stuff because you have to practice police officers unfortunately do not get enough training they don't have budgets enough for it they do not and you know yearly they're only required like 20 hours of in-service training a year right and that that's very but that's not especially in today's world that's not live fire training i actually feel for the people i know who work in the police department because once that adrenaline starts pumping, right, you get into a nasty situation, right? They have to pull their weapon for some reason. Special forces excel at it because they train that daily. Right. Every day they have just this constant tension pressure teaching them to control their emotion and react to a situation. Because once you pass that intellectual to emotional threshold, you're in trouble. Mm-hmm. This is what you can do, guys. You need to practice in the intellectual threshold first. Make a plan, look and evaluate what sets you off. What is it that makes you angry? What is it that really gets you, that moves you past that point of control? And then you need to build a plan to recognize those things. When I see this coming, when I feel this coming, I, A, B, or C. And all three of those plans, if you have backup plans, because, right, one of the things he talks about is he has, tells guys go for a walk when you hit that yellow threshold stand up walk away and go for a five or ten minute walk before you come back do not deal with the situation in the moment that doesn't always work right. uh, that's one of the only points i ever disagreed with him on was is like i've been in a lot of situations where i can't walk away mm-hmm. you need to have a plan for how you're going to deal with that situation and that might be Option A, I feel this coming on. I get up and I tell them, like, I, I need to go cool off for a minute. I'm going to take a walk. 
I'll be back. We'll talk about it when I'm not emotional. Right. That can be plan number one plan, but you got to have a plan too, because that's not always the possibility. Right. So plan two might be simply pushing back and be like, okay, I need you to stop and like actually physically hold your hand up. I need you to stop. I need to step out of this conversation for five minutes and then we can resume this conversation. But right now to keep having a healthy conversation, I need a five minute timeout. Make a plan. And I know it sounds lame. Okay. If you're 16 or 17, this sounds really lame. I know that my, my inner teenager goes, you're an idiot, Brent. (laughs) When I hear things like this come out of my mouth, but guys, I'm 42. Okay. I have had my ups and downs for sure. I have, and you can go to my channel for all the stories my daughters seem to love, but I have been through the ups and downs. I've dealt with anger issues my whole life. It's never a positive outcome ever. No one wins a fight ever. It does not matter. And words stay with you forever. Those hurtful words can stay. I'm actually less prone to go with that just because I'm, I'm old enough that at this point I'm like, I I don't care. I'm talking about when it comes to the younger ones. Right. Right. That they hold on to those. And and you're right. I'm that's, that's one of the things where my separation of my intellect and my emotional, right. Because I still have some words that were said to me at different times of my life that if I'm honest, still resonate and like affect my mental uh, emotional outlook on stuff today. So I can't say they don't. Um, I just think we take a lot of things to extreme sometimes. And at that age, that's acceptable. It's normal when they're. We we don't always teach our kids to have that resilience and kids in this situation really it's, this is not the time to teach it. They're more resilient than most people, but yes, uh, it's a different resilience usually, but stop, stop the situation. That's the first thing you have to do. Okay. Go back to what I said. You control the situation. If you own it, it doesn't matter if the person is upsetting you, they're pushing your curtains. They may be doing it on purpose. Mm-hmm. Take ownership of the situation because that's what you can control. That gives you the power. So you can say, stop. I hear what you're saying. This is what we're going to do. Don't don't say, this is what I need to do. This is what we're going to do. I am going to step away. You're going to leave me alone. I'm going to walk away for five minutes. And wait, does this conversation need to actually happen? Do we need to continue this? If it does, tell them, I will be back in five minutes. But for this conversation to be healthy, I need to step away for five minutes. That's what we're doing. Not a, if you're okay with it, don't ask for permission. Now, obviously some of your audience is going to have to weigh this very carefully because if this is that overly agitated abuser in their life, right? That could get you hurt real quick. Yes. So please, please, please weigh this carefully. If this is the person who is hurting you, or if this person is someone who is physically hurting you, right? If your dad is abusing you or your mom is abusing you and she is prone to violent reactions, if you do this, they're going to lose it. So don't. This is where I say you need to find that advocate for you. But this is where you need to plan A, B, and C. Okay. A might be walk away. B is that other option where you can't walk away. 
And in that scenario where you need to go is where a lot of people go, but you need to go there in a healthy way. A lot of people turn inward, right? They get in that situation and they just try and go somewhere happier in their head. And that's okay. But they're going there, not at their own volition. They're going there in self-protection mode, which is not healthy. So choose to own the situation, right? You get in that situation, you can't walk away. Instead of going, mm, I'm going to my safe place out of fear, go, hmm, you know what? I'm going to go and I'm going to think about this and I'm going to stay here, but I'm going to think about how I could avoid this next time or what steps got me into this position. Was this entirely other person? Was this, you know, I made a wrong choice earlier in the day. Did I do something I shouldn't have? Or did I just step in time, right? Weigh the situation, break it down analytically. Once you start going to your, the analytical side of your mind, it literally pulls you out of your emotions because it's two different hemispheres of the brain. While they are cross-connected, it is functionally two different hemispheres of the brain. So once you choose to go to the analytical side of your brain, right? And it has to be a choice, not something where you meander to. And that's why I'm saying, if you go there out of safety, that puts a negative connotation of it. If you go to somewhere else with the intention of an objective, not to survive, but to learn and to educate yourself, right? Then once you go into that place, you can break it down analytically, which is going to take the emotional charge out of you, which is going to bring your anger down. It's going to stow your temper some. And it's going to take you to a different functionality of your brain where you can then frame and deconstruct and understand how to avoid the situation better next time, right? Whether it's a right place, wrong time, or whether it's a misstep, you know, did I forget to pick something up, right? Did I forget to make my bed before I went to school? And so they were already pissed when I came home. Right. right. I've, had, I've had a lot of younger that. or siblings say, you know, I did everything I was supposed to do. I did my homework. I did my chores. I didn't, you know, my bed, I did everything I was supposed to do. And then they came home and I got in trouble and I got hit. And I've said to them, and, you know, maybe you have something different to add is that, you know, you could do everything right. Absolutely everything right. And whoever it is, dad, because, you know, we're talking about men today got cut off right before you got home or got a phone call that something happened at work that had nothing to do with you. And it put him in a bad mood and he came in. And what's not fair is that you're there and he's in a bad mood as it is. So don't try not to be on those eggshells every single moment. I do have something for you. So that, that is absolutely true, especially for the younger kids, right? Because there is a lot outside of their control. So, so let me tell you how to defuse that situation. And this is, this is going to be counterintuitive, especially if you're already living in a constant state of fear or discomfort. I want you to serve. Like it's, it's so counterintuitive. I want you to serve. When they come home, the first thing that I want you to do in that situation is greet them warmly and say, hey, dad, I, I love you. I have some homework to do, but before I do that, would you like me to maybe go get you a cup of coffee if you don't have one or grab you a beer out of the fridge and take out the trash before I get started on my homework, right? 
change the dynamic of the conversation. I don't care if you're a mean, nasty old man. It is really hard to lose your temper when someone comes in and says, Hey dad, I love you so much. And you know what? I have some homework that I'm going to do, but first, can I get you a beer? Cause I know you had a long day. I know you work hard for us. So can I grab you a beer and you can just sit down or a cup of coffee and I'll, I'll take out the trash. Do you want me to take care of anything else before I work on my homework? What can I do to make life better for you today? <laughs> that sounds just like what I say, but it's amazing that you say that. And these kids need to remember that this is not there forever. It's temporary. Right. And it's I'm not talking not. about, I'm not talking about becoming their indentured servant. Absolutely. Absolutely. But when you weigh your options, what's better to walk into? Yeah, absolutely. Is it better to walk into possible anger, physical abuse, or is it better to walk in and say, you know what, this is what I can control. Mm -hmm. I can come home and make dad's life better and easier. And he may not deserve it. Or I know I deserve better, but this is what I want to avoid. I don't want to walk into this situation and this is what I can control. So this is the pathway I'm going to choose because now I am controlling the situation. Right. Right. You're so full of wisdom and I love the message that you give. I want to make sure that all of our listeners have the ability to get a hold of you. How can everybody find you? The easiest way to find me is to go to the fallible man.com. I have amazing website and he has such cool merchandise. <laughs> I'm going to ask him if we can get one of his shirts or something and maybe he'll sign it. We'll give it to one of our listeners. We can see about that. That'd I'll, be great. Um, yeah, hit the Fallible Man website. The only thing that's not linked off there is my social media links. Uh, just because I'd rather have people on the website. I, I learned that some uh, a business guy was like, do you do this? You should change that. I was like, huh. Uh, my Instagram feed is on there, but I'm at the Fallible Man everywhere except for Facebook, where I screwed that up because I didn't know anything about Facebook. And so I'm at Fallible Man on Facebook is my page. But everywhere else, TikTok, Instagram, Pinterest, man, I'm like, I got like nine social media accounts. I'm at the fallible man, but go to the fallible and you can find everything. I've got links to my podcast, my YouTube channel, everything I do. We're going to make sure that all of that is up for everybody as well. And a contagious smile tells a story and you've given us such wonderful, warm message. And I thank you so much for your time. I really do. Everybody needs to go check out your podcast because you're so easy to talk to and I hope my listeners will reach out. And I'm sure some of them will, because I really think you could help a lot of people. Thank you so much. Thank you for your time, Brent. I really appreciate it.